Welcome to session two of Practical Mindfulness at Home. My name is Anna Greenwald, and I am the CEO and founder here at On The Goga. I'm also a mindfulness coach and a registered yoga teacher, and I'm just really thrilled to be diving into my favorite subject in the world today and throughout this series, mindfulness. So for those of you who were here last week, welcome back. And for those of you who weren't, don't worry, we're going to go over a little recap of what we learned and remember that all of these recordings will be up on our website. So if you miss anything, you can always go back and listen. So last week, we started our practical mindfulness series talking about stress. And this might seem a little odd at first for a mindfulness series, but for all of you who are here, we learned that mindfulness and the physical and physiological experience of stress are just so interconnected in our modern lives that we really can't talk about one without the other. We reviewed a simple definition of stress that I think is really impactful by a man named Hans Selye, who's actually a psychologist who coined this definition of stress all the way back in the 1930s. And he said that stress is the nonspecific response of the body to any demand for change. And the takeaway here is really that stress is a physical experience. It's actually a series of complex chemical reactions in the body that arises anytime our brains perceive a threat to our environment. Whether that's, you know, a saber-toothed tiger jumping through our window or just a giant to-do list at work. And the reason that it triggers this response, this elevated heart rate, this sweating, this panicking, right, is because it's trying to tell us, uh-oh, something's wrong here, we've got to change. Let's ready all of the physiological systems of the body to help fight or flee from that stressor. The other thing that we talked about last week is this idea of emotion-focused coping when it comes to stress. The important reality of stress is that we all feel it, and often it's triggered by situations or experiences that are out of our control. And this can be really challenging because it makes us feel helpless, right? It can make us feel anxious or fearful, but that's where mindfulness comes in. We spent a good amount of time last week talking about this technique called emotion-focused coping, which is the practice of changing our perception of the stressors around us to help us manage and move through stress instead of needing to change the situation itself, which often we don't have control over. We learned that this approach can actually reduce the amount of physical stress chemicals that are being pumped through our bodies, through our bloodstream, making it easier for us to actually get up and do what we need to do just to care for ourselves and address the challenges that we're all facing. As you can see here, the first step to emotion-focused coping is mindfulness. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Let's get into this. What the heck is mindfulness and how does it impact our brains and our bodies to help us feel a little happier and a little healthier? So I'd love to start with a little raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever practiced mindfulness before. Great, so I'm seeing 17 out of 38 people raising their imaginary hands right now. And maybe some of you out there are listening and can't type it in the chat box, but you're raising your hand. This is actually kind of a trick question. Everyone here should be raising your proverbial hand because the reality is that we've all practiced mindfulness before. And to get into while, how that might be the case, Let's take a second to define mindfulness. What do you think of when you hear the word mindfulness? Maybe this is a definition. Maybe this is an action or an experience that you think of. Maybe it's just an image that comes to mind when you think of mindfulness. But for all of you out there listening, type in the chat box. What do you think of when you think of mindfulness? Great. So Linda said being intentional. Cynthia said being in the moment. Yeah, Nancy and Amy said being present, right? Oh, I love this. Stephanie said, only doing one thing at a time. I, I love that 
you know, thought or definition of mindfulness, because in our modern world, there's so much out there, information and pressure to do a million things at a time, right? Especially for a lot of us right now, if we're managing work and family in the home, that's a huge challenge to feel like we need to be doing a million things at a time. Galette just said, taking a deep breath and appreciating the moment. I love that. For many of us, Maybe some of you out there listening right now, when we think of the word mindfulness, our brains automatically go to, you know, the ascetic monk, right, in deep meditation, or maybe the Instagram yogi, right, at the top of the mountain. Or if you're the creative director at Shutterstock, maybe you think that it's just a group of office workers wearing lime green ties matching their surroundings, serenely sitting in tall grass as the sun peaks just ever so gently over their shoulders. This image always cracks me up. And if you're just listening right now, definitely look at the screen because these people look so goofy in a field practicing mindfulness. The reality is that mindfulness can be anything. It can be drinking wine with your friends. It can be swimming. It can be moving to music at a concert, skateboarding, cooking, whatever your favorite hobby is can be a practice of mindfulness. And that's because mindfulness isn't actually one particular action. It's not even one particular state of being that you have to attain, right? Mindfulness isn't being calm or being tranquil. Mindfulness is simply an approach to any situation or any experience that you're having. My favorite definition of mindfulness and the one that we use most frequently here at On The Goga is by a man named James Baraz who wrote the book Awakening Joy. So if you're looking for a great quarantine reading list, Awakening Joy, really beautiful book, definitely encourage that one. But he states that mindfulness is being aware of what is happening right now without wishing it were different. Enjoying the pleasant without holding on to it when it changes, which it will. And being with the unpleasant without worrying that it will always be this way, which it won't. I love this definition for so many different reasons. But I think it just really captures the most simple experience of mindfulness, which is being aware, right? I tell people all the time, you could stop this definition after the first four words. Mindfulness is being aware. And that would be a pretty great definition of mindfulness. The easiest way to experience this definition of mindfulness is just to take a second to notice, what are you doing with your hands right now, right? Just becoming aware of your hands. A moment ago, you had hands, right? And they were doing something. But mindfulness is simply that moment of realization of, oh yeah, I'm here. It's just bringing attention and awareness to what's going on in the world around us, in our bodies, and sometimes in our brains. Another simple example of this is just to notice what it feels like right now to take a second and look away from any screen that you might be looking at. Or if you're not looking at a screen, just take a second to look out to something far away, as far away from you as you can look right now, whether you can look out a window or across the room and just notice what is in your environment. What are the sounds? What are you seeing? What movement? If you wanna type in the chat box right now, what you notice in your environment, go ahead and do that. Because the beautiful thing about this is for all of us, we're probably looking at a similar screen if we're watching this as we listen, but our environments are all different. So I can tell you right now that when I look up away from my screen, I see rain falling on a window. I see trees. Yeah, Juliet says the same thing. I see trees. Stephanie says, I see the leaves coming out. Nancy says, tree branches blowing in the wind. And that's beautiful because Cynthia said the stillness of trees, right? And when we start to look around, and I think looking out a window or at nature is a really easy way to kind of see how even the things around us that we don't think of as moving, right, a tree, has so much change happening all the time. And mindfulness is just becoming aware of all of that stuff that we normally filter out. 
Yeah. Chris said, I hear birds chirping and I see them on my deck. So that's another important thing to notice about mindfulness. It takes in all of our five senses. So we can become mindful of what we see, like Susan said, looking at the trees and the creek, but we can also hear, right? We can hear rain, we can hear birds, or we can feel. We can feel what maybe our feet feel like in our shoes. We can be mindful when we taste things, right? Maybe you can mindfully take a sip of really delicious coffee, or you could even mindfully sip water. There's just a million different ways that we can tap into our senses to become aware, become mindful in any particular moment. And that's it. That's as complicated as mindfulness gets. So if any of you started this workshop today thinking, all right, I got to figure out how to get to mindfulness. That's it. You've done it. That's as complicated as mindfulness will ever be. And that's another reason why I love this definition of mindfulness by James Baraz, because it really captures this idea that mindfulness can happen no matter what's going on around us, no matter if something good is happening or something bad is happening. For example, when we see in this definition that it says, mindfulness is about enjoying the pleasant without holding on to it when it changes, which it will. Who can think of a situation in their life, maybe it's happening now, maybe it's happened in the past, where something really good was happening, but your brain was trying to pull you away to whatever was gonna happen next, right? So a great example of this, maybe you have one that you wanna share in the chat box. But a great example of this is you're relaxing on a Sunday night, you're hanging out with your family, but maybe instead of fully allowing yourself to relax, your brain is just racing about all of the things you're gonna have to do on Monday. So instead of relaxing, noticing what's happening, our brains are trying to take us away from what's actually in our environment. This can also happen uh, when we are on our last day of vacation, or maybe even there's just little wonderful things happening throughout your day, but your brain doesn't ever fully settle on them because it's always trying to anticipate or think of the next thing that you might have to do or handle. Yeah, Nancy says soaking up Sunday because Monday is just around the corner, right? We all have a weekend coming up, so it's a perfect opportunity to notice if your brain is trying to pull you out of your relaxing weekend to do something else. Yeah, Joan said sitting and relaxing on the couch at night and then the dogs start to become restless and I have to go out. Even just the knowing that, oh yeah, the dogs might have to go out can sometimes prevent us from fully just taking a deep breath and relaxing into that nice moment of relaxation. The other part of this, similarly, when we look at the definition, we can see that mindfulness is about being with the unpleasant without worrying that it'll always be this way, which it won't, right? And that's why mindfulness is such a powerful cognitive tool for moving through challenge or pain or fear. Uh, because we've all experienced this, right? Maybe someone out there, again, even has an example for the chat box, but that example of maybe something bad has happened or is happening. And our brain tries to tell us, well, this is happening now and this is how it's gonna be forever, right? Maybe a lot of us are feeling that right now through this pandemic. It's very natural for the human brain to have this reaction to negative situations. It's like, I'm in my house and this is how it's always gonna be and it will never get better, especially if we can't see a definitive end to the situation that we're in. And it's so natural, in fact, for our brain to do that, that we often get trapped there in that negative cycle without really noticing. And that's why mindfulness is such an important tool, because it helps us to just wake up to snap out, to become aware of those default settings of our brain that we might have and actually consider for a moment, oh yeah, what's happening around me, inside my head, inside my body right now. And that act of becoming aware and feeling connected to all of those sensations, whether it's the goodness in our lives, or maybe it's just acknowledging the reality of a challenge with the calm understanding that no matter how hard it feels right now, just like everything in life, just like the moving trees or the rain outside, it will change. Mindfulness is also really interesting to think about in this time because we live in a time where 
there's a lot of research to help us understand how this act of mindfulness can actually change our brains and bodies, right? So we can actually measure the impact that the simple act of bringing awareness to you know, our hands or our breath or even that warm, delicious cup of coffee has on our physical brains and bodies. And the first one of those that I find the most impactful is that mindfulness actually trains our brain to keep calm under pressure. So how does this look in the research? Well, one impact that we can see is that mindfulness helps us to regulate our physiological stress response. That's why we started with the stress response last week. We understand that when our brain perceives any stressor in our environment, right, whether it's real or imagined, it sends a physical panic message through our whole body, right? And we only have one stress response as humans. It's this anxious neurological chatter between two parts of your brain called your prefrontal cortex and your limbic system. And it's basically saying, uh-oh, something's wrong. We got to fix this. And our heart rate gets increased and our breathing gets faster. We tense our muscles up. And that's all happening because these stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline are pumping through our bodies. But mindfulness helps us to bring our attention back to our actual surroundings, right? If our stress response was triggered from a thought or a nasty email we got, or just a fearful thought of the future, we can bring our attention back to a deep breath, right? Or notice the surroundings, or notice maybe there's a dog in your room or someone that you care about that you're around. And we can send the signal to our bodies of, oh yeah, actually right now, I'm safe actually over time helps our brains to become less reactive to the physiological stress. Secondly, the research shows that mindfulness can help improve our happiness, clarity, and optimism. So there's a lot of different research out there on this, but one study that I think is really interesting came out of the Scandinavian Journal for Work, Environment, and Health. And it was a great study outlining this phenomenon where they tested two groups of people in an organization. One group had eight weeks of yoga, which is actually just a physical practice of mindfulness. You do specific movements and you notice your body and your breath, right? And then they had that group and a control group. And after eight weeks, the yoga group reported marked improvements in feelings of clear-mindedness, composure, elation, physical energy, and confidence. And what is even more interesting is that they also showed increased feelings of personal purpose and satisfaction and greater self-confidence during stressful situations. And this is because that simple act of noticing what's going on and then taking action with it helps us to feel a sense of control in our minds and bodies that enables us to feel more happy, more fulfilled, and like we have the ability to move through challenges. Another great benefit of mindfulness is that it helps to decrease stress and anxiety for all of the reasons that we've already talked about. And there's actually a study that's been replicated several times, but originally was published by the University of Minnesota that tested people practicing mindfulness versus people going through a cognitive behavioral therapy course, which is kind of the gold standard of therapy in the United States. And what they showed was that there was no significant difference in outcomes between treating stress and anxiety with the mindfulness group and the cognitive behavioral therapy group. They both showed marked improvements over the control group. So mindfulness can help to decrease stress and anxiety. It can also improve focus and performance. Again, I'm a research nerd, so I'll point you to a study that I thought was really interesting from the University of Illinois that showed that just 20 minutes of yoga or mindfulness, which we'll do in a little bit today, actually helps to improve focus and information retention, right? So if you're sitting through a Zoom meeting for your fourth hour in a row, a little bit of mindfulness can help you actually absorb what you're hearing, right? And it can decrease the feeling of what they quoted in the study as mental fog, which is that feeling when you sit in front of your computer, right? And you're like, there was something I was supposed to do, and now I can't think of what it is. And the reason that mindfulness does all of these things is because it changes your physical brain. So this is really what it comes down to. Changing our thoughts, changing where we place our conscious attention. Research shows us that 
a phenomenon called neuroplasticity, which is our brain's ability to adapt no matter what age we're, we're at. That neuroplasticity creates an opportunity for our brain to rewire itself just by thinking different thoughts. So yeah, simply changing what you're thinking about can change the architecture and wiring of your brain. And there's a lot of research out there on this, on neuroplasticity and mindfulness, and it's really ever evolving, super interesting. But as one example, there was a study published in Scientific American that showed that the brain scans of advanced meditators versus the average human, the mindfulness practitioners had enlarged hippocampus and cingulate cortex regions of the brains, which are basically critical regions, which among other things, help us to control stress and understand our sense of self. So I know I just threw like a bunch of information and a bunch of research out there for you. And that's partially because the way my brain works is I need to understand how things are happening in our body. So I always like to start by explaining the science of why mindfulness, why the simple shifting of our attention makes such a huge difference. But probably a lot of you are out there wondering, okay, Anna, so how do I practice? Am I gonna have to meditate for 60 minutes every day? The good news is you don't, because if you did, probably none of us would do this, right? I know I probably wouldn't do this if I had to sit and meditate for 60 minutes a day. I teach mindfulness for a living and my mindfulness practice that I do every day seated is only about 20 minutes on the good days. So the beauty of mindfulness is that meditation, which we'll talk about next week, is one way to practice mindfulness and to bring it into your life. But you can get all of these benefits of mindfulness simply by making some small shifts in your life, in your attention throughout your day in order to become a little bit more aware. So what we're gonna do next is walk through three super simple exercises that you can do from anywhere that are specifically designed to help train your brain to become more aware, to get in that habit of mindfulness. And then we're gonna talk about a few different ways to practice becoming aware without ever having to change what you're doing throughout the day. So let's get into it. Our first practice that we're gonna do is actually about breathing. So a lot of you guys out there have probably heard about breath, if you've done meditations, if you've practiced yoga, but I'll throw this question out there to all of you. Does anybody know why breathing and breath is such a powerful tool for meditating and for practicing mindfulness? Now, again, there's no wrong answer here. So even if you just wanna throw a guess in that chat box, I will read it out. And there's also multiple right answers here. So if you guys have any thoughts about that, go ahead and write them in. Susan said, because you have to breathe, right? Yeah, Cynthia said, it gets you to concentrate on one thing. Stephanie said, it helps you focus, right? Concentrating on that one thing. Uh, Linda says, it opens up your diaphragm, right? It causes you to start breathing a little bit differently. Guadalupe says it helps you calm down. All of these things are true. And we're gonna experience those in about a minute and a half. The other really interesting thing about breathing is that when you're thinking about breathe, when you're not thinking about breathing, like most of the day, right? It just feels like something that your body's doing. But as soon as you start thinking about your breath, it feels like something that you're doing, an action that you're taking. And so it's basically taking something that used to be subconscious and bringing it into conscious attention. That's mindfulness, taking something that you weren't thinking about, that you were on autopilot for, and just becoming aware. So that's what we're gonna do through this breathing exercise. So wherever you are, whether you're standing, sitting, walking, uh, you can even do this if you're, you know, moving around, just be mindful. Uh, don't do anything with closing your eyes, that wouldn't be safe. But all you're gonna do is wherever you are, find a comfortable seat or a comfortable stance, and you're gonna take a deep breath in through your nose, open your mouth and sigh it out. Do that a couple more times, breathe in through your nose, open your mouth and just really sigh out your breath. Maybe you can even hear it as you breathe in and let it go. On your next inhale, fill up all the way. And then exhale, sigh it out. Maybe you start to close your eyes. Maybe you rest back against your chair. 
If it doesn't feel comfortable to close your eyes, you can always just take a soft focus down towards the ground. And just allow your breath to move in through your nose and out through your nose or mouth. Remembering that if as soon as I said breathe, it became a challenge, that's normal. The beauty of me saying just breathe naturally is that however your breath feels right now, whether it feels long or short, easy or forced, that is your natural breath. And just start to feel what it feels like to take your breath a little bit deeper in through your nose. Really explore what it feels like at the very top of your breath. And then breathe out fully, lengthen your exhale all the way to the bottom. Do that for a few breaths, just taking your longest, gentlest inhales into your nose and then letting them go. Maybe you can even notice the temperature difference between the cooler air coming in and the slightly warmer air going out. Maybe you feel the movement of your body. Maybe your chest is moving, maybe your stomach is moving. And then see if you can start to connect your inhales and your exhales. Just breathing into the very top of your breath and then instead of pausing, start that exhale right away, breathe it right out. And then at the very bottom of your exhale, turn it back into an inhale, like one big circle of breath. One continuous movement of air flowing in through your nose and out. We'll take three breaths together. When you're ready, inhale through your nose. Connect that to an exhale, breathe all the way out. Connect that back to an inhale. Connect that to an exhale. Connect it to a final inhale, all the way in. Maybe you even breathe in a little more air at the top and then open your mouth side out without moving your body for a moment. Just gently blink open your eyes. So take a second just to notice how the physical sensation of your body did or didn't change since the start of that. If anybody wants to share in the chat box what their experience was with that sensation of breathing. Yeah, Guadalupe said, it just feels so good to relax. The feeling of relaxation isn't mindfulness. That is a side effect of taking some mindful, deep breaths, right? So if anyone out there is feeling really relaxed right now, that's a beautiful side effect of the mindfulness, which is just the willingness to pay attention to, in this case, your breath. And one of the reasons that you might feel physically relaxed right here is because deep breathing, like somebody already mentioned in the chat, triggers your parasympathetic nervous response, which is the opposite of your stress response. My next question for you is, a lot, I'm seeing a lot of people say they're feeling relaxed. What does relaxed feel like physically in your body? Maybe there's some adjectives you could use to describe it. Maybe you feel awareness of a certain part of your body. Yeah, Marguerite said, I enjoyed the cool and warm breath, something I didn't ever realize before. Right, and that's a beautiful example of what mindfulness does. It helps us just to bring attention to these things that are always happening, right? That cool air coming in, being warmed by your body and passing out as warmer air. That's always happening. We just brought our attention to it. Yeah, Susan said a tingling sensation. Absolutely. Part of the reason that that happens is because 
we're becoming aware of that just baseline physical sensation that our nerves are picking up all of the time in our bodies. Again, happening all the time, just not something our brain usually thinks is important for us to notice. If we were walking around all day just thinking about our tingling body, right, and all the sensations we feel, we wouldn't be able to focus on important things like making dinner or doing our work. Joan said, my shoulders feel relaxed. So again, if you take one thing away from this workshop today, let it be that six deep breaths can change your physiological state. It's as close as we can get to reaching into our brains and turning the knobs to change the chemicals that are being pumped through our bodies. And if the only reason that you do it is just because it feels good, you don't need any better reason. That's an incredible reason to do anything. All right, so Cynthia mentioned my heart stopped racing, which plays really beautifully into our next exercise. Again, these are just a couple of simple tools you can do anywhere to practice mindfulness. We started with breath because like a lot of you said, it's a tool that's always there. You can always access your breath. And in that way, anytime you notice your breath, it can be a little reminder of, oh yeah, let me take a moment to just be mindful of what's actually happening in my brain and my body. The next exercise, I call it the zone in. It's also referred to very often as a body scan. Many of you guys have probably done this before. And the reason I always love to give this exercise is because raise your hand if you have trouble falling asleep at night. Yeah, I see some hands going up. Oh my gosh, a lot of people here, right? Almost half of you guys raised your hand saying, I have trouble falling asleep at night. One of the reasons that our bodies have trouble shutting down at night is because our brains have trouble calming down at night. And this exercise is like the ultimate sleep meditations. All you're gonna do is take a second wherever you are, take a deep breath in through your nose, and then side out your mouth. Again, find a comfortable stance or a comfortable seat and just start to breathe that circle breath in through your nose, out through your nose or mouth, remembering that your breath doesn't have to feel any particular way. In fact, every single in-breath and out-breath is different. So just allow yourself to notice. What does a long, gentle breath in feel like? and a long, gentle breath out. And as you breathe, all I want you to do is bring your attention to your feet. Notice what your feet feel like in your shoes or your socks or your slippers, or maybe they're against the floor. Maybe you can wiggle your toes and feel them next to each other. Feel the tops and bottoms of your feet as you breathe. Again, not looking for anything particularly special, just feeling what your feet feel. Breathe deeply. As you bring that awareness into your ankles, maybe even into your shins and your calves, can you feel where your skin is touching any clothing or air? Breathe as you notice your knees. Are they bent or straight? Can you get so focused in on the sensation you can actually feel the difference between the backs of your knees and the fronts of your knees? Again, never a good or bad, just an awareness of whatever you feel. Breathe gently as you notice your thighs. Maybe you can feel your chair underneath your seat if you're seated. Breathe gently. And just feel all the sensation from your hips down. What do your legs feel like? Try to pay attention to the physical sensations that you feel, which are slightly different than the thoughts about the sensations. Breathe deeply. As you feel 
your belly and back move with your breath. On your inhales, your stomach will expand gently. On your exhales, it'll soften. Maybe you feel the chair behind you or your clothing on your skin as you breathe. Bringing that awareness up through your chest and the sides of your body, your back. Breathe as you soften your shoulders. And bring your awareness gently into the tips of your fingers. See if you can breathe and just soften the muscles of your fingers. Notice your palms and the backs of your hands. Notice what they're touching. Gently breathe as you notice your forearms and the insides and outsides of your elbows. Breathe gently as you notice your whole arm from the shoulder down. How are you holding your arms, your hands? It's okay if you move or fidget, that's part of what you can notice. And finally, from the neck down, just notice your body. The movement of your breath, the softness of your shoulders, maybe any tightness or tension you feel. And then let that awareness travel up your neck into your jaw. Maybe you create some space between your back molars or let your tongue fall away from the roof of your mouth. Breathing in and out through your nose or mouth. Relax your cheek muscles and your lips. Maybe you can even relax your nose or the muscles underneath of your eyes. Soften your eyelids. And just become aware and maybe release any tension you feel in the muscles between your eyebrows or on your forehead. Making your way all the way to the top of your head Breathe as you soften your hairline, your scalp. And just take a few deep breaths to feel whatever your brain notices throughout your body. What does it feel like inside of your skin? Take a deep, gentle breath in through your nose. Open your mouth, sigh it out. Just gently open your eyes. Let the light back into your eyes. So take a second to notice and maybe share in the chat box if there is any part of your body that you notice during that that you don't normally pay attention to. Maybe you found that exercise challenging. Maybe you found it relaxing. You can share right in there whatever you felt throughout that. The purpose of that exercise is just to bring awareness to what is, right? Noticing that it's okay if you feel tense tension in your shoulders. It's okay even if your mind is racing through the whole thing. Just bringing your attention and your awareness, even to your own racing thoughts, is the practice of mindfulness. Yeah, Susan said, very relaxing. Cynthia said, yeah, it feels great. I'm yawning and yawning, absolutely. And just noticing that, that is mindfulness. Even if someone's sitting there feeling like, I felt like I couldn't get a relaxing breath that whole time and I just noticed all this tension in my body, that is mindfulness. All right, I have one more super practical exercise for you guys. And this one's actually great if you're on the computer screen all the time. So it's called 202020. And I, it's actually adapted from 
an eye fatigue exercise. So the concept is you wanna look at something about 20 feet away, approximately every 20 minutes. Every 20 minutes, you wanna look at something at least 20 feet away for about 20 seconds, 20, 20, 20. So wherever you are, you can stand up if you haven't been standing, you can sit down if you have been standing or if you just wanna relax a little bit, but try to pick something if you can, 20 feet away, but just as far away from you as you can see right now. Pick one little object to look at. Again, it doesn't have to be the perfect object, just pick one unmoving item in your environment that you can place your eyes on and just keep them there. It can be something small, it can be something big, it really doesn't matter. Wherever you are, fix your gaze on that one object and just start to take a few deep breaths in through your nose and out through your nose or mouth. Breathe. And all I want you to do is just notice what color is the object that you see. Maybe you even notice as you stare at it for a little bit that it's multiple colors, even if at first it seemed like one color. And then breathe as you just notice the shadows or shapes of whatever it is that you're looking at. Maybe you can see the texture of it. Maybe if you really look at it, you can even imagine what it would feel like to reach out and touch it. And breathe as you take a second to notice the amount of space between you and whatever object that you're looking at. Really see any empty space between you and that object, something that we often don't notice. And finally, consider that if you didn't know what the function was of the object that you were looking at, if you didn't know its name, you didn't know what it did, what would it look like to you? What could it be? Take a deep breath in and a deep breath out and then step away. You can sit back down. I encourage you to type in the chat box what you chose to look at and what you noticed. So I'll tell you guys what I was looking at. I was looking out my window to a banister outside and on the top of the banister, uh, on the little stake at the top of the banister, there is a little metal bulb. And I was looking at it, and at first I was like, well, it's definitely black. The banister is black. But as I'm looking at it, I can see that the curve of that metal bulb on the top of the banister actually has a whole gradient of different colors, whites and grays, and even a little bit of a blue reflection to it as I was looking at it. And it's really not that special, not that interesting, but just when I take a second to actually look at all the details of it, there's a lot that you can see. Yeah, Juliet said, I looked at the Xfinity truck driving through the neighborhood. Yeah. Judith said, a painting done by my friend hanging on my wall. I noticed the shadows around the portrait, right? Another reason why, again, it's not like we're gonna look at the top of a banister or look at something in our house and be riveted every time, but simply noticing, oh yeah, I have this painting on my wall that my friend painted me. That's wonderful. Another great benefit of mindfulness. The quote I like to bring up here that you guys have probably seen on some Pinterest board sometime in your life is when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And we can experience that with that practice of visual mindfulness. Yeah, Joan said, looking at my neighbor's chimney, it's red brick with a silver on the bottom and a cap on the top, right? A lot of the times, like that neighbor's chimney, Joan, I'm not sure how many times you've noticed it, but maybe that's the first time that you've seen that, really paid attention to it in your life, right? These things that we see every day that normally our brains are like, yeah, it's a chimney, so what? I don't need to put my attention on that. But that practice of mindfulness is just choosing to put our attention on whatever is in our surroundings. And again, the simple act of doing that can completely change how we're looking at the world around us. A little piece of homework, if you will, for all of you out there is to, especially right now, many of us are around the same people every day. 
there's someone in your life, whether you do this in person or Zoom, that you see all of the time, or maybe you hear them on the phone. Next time you see or hear them, take a moment to look at them or listen to their voice as though it was the first time you were ever meeting them. What would you notice? What would you think about that person? If that was the first time you'd ever seen their face or ever heard their voice, what might you learn about them? And that's just a really simple exercise that you can do that really starts to show how much we filter out and how much our normal day-to-day -day thoughts are built on our brain's desire to just recognize patterns. We're like, oh yeah, that's just my partner or that's just my kid or that's just my best friend, right? And we filter out all of the wonderful things about these people that you know, naturally over time, our brains start to filter out. Mindfulness is just a simple way to bring a little bit of recognition back to those things. So in our last few minutes here, uh, I just wanna bring our attention, if you will, to how we can practice mindfulness when we're not doing breathing techniques or we're not looking away from our computer for 20 seconds or we're not doing a body scan. How can we use just simple awareness to foster self-compassion, gratitude, and ease, no matter where we are. So I'll actually throw this question out to all of you out there. What are some things that you can do mindfully this week that don't involve necessarily meditating or any type of breathing technique, just something you can do that probably you do every day that you could pay attention to? Let's said go on a walk without bringing my cell phone. Absolutely. And there's kind of two beautiful elements of that, right? One is going on a walk. You can feel your physical body moving, right? Walking meditation is actually uh, a very standard form of mindfulness practice. But you can also see the environment around you. And the act of not bringing your phone is in and of itself mindful, but it also directs our brain to what's happening around us instead of mindlessly or habitually checking our phone, checking our newsfeed. Yeah, Stephanie said, I can knit mindfully. Knitting is a really beautiful mindfulness practice because the tactical feeling of knitting can take so much of our focus. It can take as much of our focus as we give it, right? I'm sure for me, as someone who's never knit before, it takes a lot of focus and attention, right? And that's actually one really important point, if you're looking for a way to practice mindfulness that isn't sitting and meditating or practicing yoga, just try something for the first time. You have to pay attention to every detail of what you're doing when you're doing anything for the first time, whether you're making bread for the first time or you're knitting for the first time or you're doing a puzzle you've never done before, right? Yeah, Nancy said, I stopped using the dishwasher and started washing my dishes while I'm home. I focus on my dishes because during large family dinners it's a loving experience to wash oh to wash dishes with your sisters together absolutely and the tactical experience of washing dishes and this is where you know i know mindfulness starts to sound a little woo woo like oh my gosh really pay attention to washing your dishes but if you think about it the tactical experience of washing dishes has so many sensory details the temperature of the water, the feeling of the soap, the differences in textures that we just normally filter out. And again, when we bring our attention to these different things during the day, no matter how simple or, you know, kind of silly it might seem, every single one of those practices is training your brain to become aware of your actual surroundings, helping you to regulate and manage stress, helping you to feel gratitude for the things around you, helping you to just take a moment and enjoy something really wonderful. Stephanie said, folding laundry. Folding laundry, something we often do mindlessly, something we've often decided we hate doing, even though it's not really the worst thing in the world, but just the act of intentionally folding your clothing can be a meditation. Yeah, Cynthia said reading and not letting anything take me away from the visual world I'm living in with the characters. And I think that's a really interesting point too, because that kind of has these two different aspects of focus, right? When you're reading, you can literally take a moment if you're reading a physical book to feel the book in your hands or feel the couch underneath of you. But you can also allow yourself to focus singularly on letting your brain wander into this new world of characters and all of that. And that's just a slightly different practice of mindfulness. Guadalupe said cooking. These are all 
all really, really beautiful suggestions. So again, my challenge to you guys out there is find one thing this week that you can do mindfully. And remember, even if it's sitting, you know, next Friday morning before our final webinar for this series and thinking, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about anything mindful all week. That is a moment of mindfulness. Becoming aware that you haven't been aware, that's it. So you really can't mess it up. Whatever you're doing, anything that you're doing where your mind and body are focused on the same thing, that is a moment of mindfulness. And that's why the question at the beginning, who has practiced mindfulness before, is really a trick question because I'm sure that all of you out there can think of something in your lives that when you're doing it, you're just completely focused on it. Whether you love to surf or garden or play with your children, right? Whatever it is, if your physical attention and your mental attention are on the same thing, that is all that mindfulness is some little inspirations for you. Your morning cup of coffee, the smell, the taste, the temperature of the coffee, watching yourself pour it into the cup, all options for moments of mindfulness. Stressful moments are really beautiful opportunities for mindfulness. Notice if you're, you know, gripping the steering wheel really hard or notice if you're clenching your jaw. That simple awareness of what you're doing, that is the mindfulness. And then if you want to relax your fingers, relax your jaw after that, that's the choice you have once you become mindful. Remember, mindfulness isn't being calm. I like to say you could be mindfully pissed off. You could be mindfully throwing a cup of coffee in someone's face if you're just noticing the weight distribution as the coffee leaves the cup, right? All of these things can be mindfulness. Another one that a lot of us are doing right now is just walking, right? Maybe you have a, a puppy. We are a big uh, dog family here at On The Go Go. We love dogs. So I put walking in parentheses, the dog. Playing with animals, a great moment of mindfulness. Just noticing how the weight changes in your body as you take a step, a moment of mindfulness. Maybe even as you get up out of the chair today, just noticing how it feels to move your body, that is a moment of mindfulness. So that's it for today. Thank you guys so much. And I hope that you can move through today a little bit happier, a little bit healthier, 